Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We are back. I guess I should say I am back. I am back from vacation, took a little break from from streaming and talking to you guys. And the person who I left I left the keys to the kingdom to, no, no better hands to leave them in, is going to be the special guest today on the new episode of Best Ball Bros, Rob Coakley, at King Coakley on Twitter. You guys have already seen him, including last night on our football show and tons of other stuff. You know, he is doing some hilarious videos. He's doing some, you know, serious content. He's doing a little bit of everything. I'm, ex- I'm super excited for what's to come in the future with with Rob. And I thought that he was a perfect person to kind of, as I come back from a little mini vacation, to bring in and we can all just kind of hang out. You guys can get to know him a little bit better. We can shoot the shit. Just see, just see where it all goes and uh, have another typical Best Ball Bros chat. So I decided, this is one of the things I was thinking about while I was on vacation, is isn't it so fucking stupid that every like stream or podcast or whatever, everybody like intros it the same way? Like, hey, what's going on, guys? Or they have a, you know, like, God God bless Levitan. This is not shade, but he does, you know, hello or whatever. Everybody has their own little thing. And like, why do we have to say hello? Like, you're you're not like, why are we wasting 30 seconds? I'm wasting more than that now. So what an idiot I am. <laughs> but you know what I mean? We're wasting this time. So I'm getting straight down to it. And I wanted to start a new intro because one of my favorite podcasts, a basketball podcast, they interview NBA players and they there's no intro. They start off and they ask like a question on the subject matter, you know, of of basketball. So I'm going to relate it to fantasy football or or best ball specifically. And no intros. We'll get into, you know, getting to know you better. What is the single worst take, worst draft pick, worst stand you've ever taken in like of your life in fantasy football? Who's like the guy that you always think of when somebody says that was the worst goddamn take I ever had? in fantasy football or fantasy sport it doesn't have to be football. Um, who is that guy for you? Um, the immediate one that jumps off is I 
played Allen Robinson over Jamar Chase for four straight weeks in my home league <laughs> last year. And maybe it's not the worst, but I was... It feels, it feels like the worst now, it knowing... Feels, it feels real bad, man. I was like, no, it, I, I drafted Allen Robinson, and he is... He's gonna do something, damn it! And I'm um, like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just, because I drafted zero RB. I was so smart, smarter than all the people I know. I have Tyreek. I have Stefan Diggs. I have Allen Robinson. Like, how can I lose? And the answer was by starting Allen Robinson over Jamar Chase, until I was forced to play Jamar Chase, and uh, that was my. That's my worst take in the last 12 months, we'll say. How about that? I DF, like that. DFS, there's some there's some oh. doozies, I'm sure. Oh that... my god, I got so many DFS like season long stuff is like you hit on some, you definitely everybody is like that, right? You hit you hit on some, you miss on some, you draft a bunch of teams, even if you're only playing in some some home leagues or whatever. Like if you draft in a few home leagues, you have some hits and you have some misses, whatever. Mm. In DFS, it's like, you know, for me, I don't play a lot of lineups. And even if you do, you're taking big stands every week, right? And so you remember that. It's like that's literally thousands of dollars on this one individual player or, you know, some of these guys, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars on like one individual player. So that that all sticks with you so very long. My favorite one from, from DFS was uh, this is back when I was really a hand in the dirt kind of a guy. Okay. So I was, I was, you know, I'd gotten into my game theory bro stuff, but I was a lot more hand in the dirt than I am now. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers defense had started to like, they had a lot of injuries and they were just like getting destroyed on the ground and they were playing the Browns. This is before the Chubb era before that or whatever. You remember Isaiah Crowell, Isaiah Crowell was the, you know, non pass catching running back, the early down running back for the Cleveland Browns before Chubb and Hunt and everybody got, got in. And I love, he he was like, he was like 3% owned. And I decided he was my edge that week. And I, and I played way more lineups than I ever play. And I lock buttoned Isaiah Crowell. I believe he had like eight carries for like 15 yards and zero catches on on the week and that and that and that was it and i invested you know god knows how much money into isaiah crowell and my day was done in like 15 minutes so thank thank god i wasn't doing dfs in the early 2010s like i don't even i mean if there was dfs it wasn't prominent so i would not draft arian foster anyway oh because i hated arian foster and I would have taken a stand on him in DFS and be like, I'm never playing here. And I would have lost so much money just being that dead dummy that's like, <laughs> I don't like Arian Foster, so I'm not going to play him, you know? And I'm not that way anymore for the most part. I still occasionally a guy, I'm like, eh, I'm not, I don't want to play this dude, but ever. But yeah, I've, I've, I've matured sometimes. And, <laughs> <You're> uh, <laughs> And and I'll move on from that some and actually play these guys. But yeah, early 2010s, Rob would not have been a good DFS player. Uh, and basically early 2010s, me was not a good DFS player. I can assure you of, of, of that. And uh, so we've come a long way. And look, in 2022 Rob is probably not a good DFS player. <laughs> 
<laughs> but <laughs> you have a better chance than 2010, Rob. But but 2022, Rob can at least like fake like he knows what he's doing. Like, oh yeah, well I know that I can do this while I'm construction, and I should be playing this guy because he's going to be underweight to the field. I'm like 2010, Rob would have been like, yeah, but like that's you know Calvin Ruck Johnson, just play him, you idiot. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes it is kind of funny because that ends up being the, the like we flip over the cards on a DFS slate and you're like, wait, nobody ended up playing pick a fuck pick Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Right. It's like, no, or the opposite. You're like, oh my God, this is it. Everybody's going to play Dalvin Cook. Everybody's going to play Jamar Chase. I'm going to play Justin Jefferson. And then you flip over the cards and it's like Justin Jefferson's 35% owned in this tournament. And you're like, you know, if I just would have closed my eyes and picked, I would have made a better team than I did. And I spent all week building this team. It's funny though, that you bring up the Arian Foster thing, because the opposite side of the opening question that I asked you that the the Arian Foster breakout season when he was Mm -hmm. the RB one, um, was like maybe the thing that like probably sold me on fantasy football like forever i think i was in high school late high school and i had st- we we had started me and a, a, my high school buddies had started two different we had started a dynasty league and a, and a redraft league like all the same people mm-hmm. and i i got on arian foster like as a later round pick or whatever he ended up ended up being and i, I had I went undefeated all the way through through the championship. I think that was the Michael Vick on the Eagles year, if I remember correctly. Um, Ocho yes. Cinco was still around and was awesome. Yeah. T.O. was um, wherever T.O. ended up <laughs> at the end of his career. But it was like all these – like I literally had like the wide receiver two, three, and six, and then the like the quarterback one, the running back one, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Antonio Gates, I believe, was still a, a, a big thing back then. And so it was like I literally had the stone nuts and I'm just shitting on all my friends. Right. <laughs> and like that's yeah. like really a lot even more fun when you're like 17 or 18 than than mm-hmm. now. And so that's like the inverse to kind of the opening question that where like that thing that always sticks with me, like more than like probably more than like some of my DFS wins. Right. I probably made like I was a broke ass high school kid. I didn't make any money off of off of that team. Um, and I've had, you know, obviously bigger scores in raw money since then, but I don't, I can't even really describe most of those to you, but I can describe this. I could list you off my whole goddamn roster from when I was a junior in high school. Right. And went undefeated in a fantasy league. I still, so this is going to date me hard, but (laughs) I remember eighth grade, my first exposure to fantasy (laughs) at all was, I can't tell you the magazine and it must've been sports illustrated or something could have even been East Bay. East Bay was a big thing back then. Oh, East Bay Bay magazine around Yep. like, Oh, look at these sneakers. And in the back of it was a fill and like you got, you actually got a salary cap and you filled out which fantasy players you wanted for the season. So it was almost like DFS. Yeah. And you picked you picked like Brett. It was like Brett Favre. And like, that's how old that was. I'm like, this sounds awesome because I'm (laughs) I'm I've been a degenerate, you know, since I was four years old. I've been gambling since I was five. I my first gambling experience was like I gave my mom a slip with with the numbers on it. And I'm like, hey, go play this number for me. It was one, two, three, five. (laughs) And she's like, well, I'm not betting a lot of money on this. And it freaking hit that night. (laughs) <laughs> and 
So I'm, of course, I'm addicted to it from that point from finding. So like, that was my first fantasy experience, anyways. And and from then, I've just I found a way to be in some sort of fantasy league since I was probably ten years old. It's crazy how the like I I feel like everybody has that kind of story. Like especially if you're listening to this or watching this, right? Right. That like you, you I feel like you have that story, and it's some random little thing that like honestly didn't really matter right you didn't make any money at it probably right but it, it is it is something like the like dave says here i remember isaiah crowell who i was just talking about scoring an 85 yard touchdown and winning me just a week right he's just like one random week that touchdown and he was like that is still in his brain that you that- you bring up that vic year like the same year as it foster and that was the year that my my main fantasy league that is still going that I talked about with Zakarian last night because he was yeah. in that league. Like Zakarian was like, that's how crazy and how full circle this whole thing comes to is like me and Zakarian have known each other for probably 12 years and he's doing it's not fantasy football, but point being that year I had Vic and I, and my friend, my best friend, Jesse, we were living together. He had Deshaun Jackson. And we both needed those guys to crush on that Monday night football game against Washington. And they, Oh, that's the touchdown, right? That's the the, like legendary Vic throw, you know, like eight, he threw it like 80 something yards in the air or whatever. Yeah. And we're, and we, I just remember us going, there was two times we went nuts in that house like this. We went nuts that night, freaking out about that touchdown and all the points we scored. And the other time was when I was, I got selected to be on a, um, a poker show that was a reality show the night that we found that out and was the only other night that we like i mean we had a lot of fun in that house but we went nuts for both of those things in that house and it's just those vivid memories of stuff like that and that's why i still love football and still love fantasy because you're i mean most weekends i'm sitting there i literally texting my friend that i that i'm texting the entire week and I go, why do we do this? Why do we do this? And then, <laughs> and then something like that will happen. Like, oh, that's why we do it. Because that feeling is unlike anything else that sports can bring you, in my opinion. So this is the natural segue, right? Paul asks for the podcast listeners. <laughs> I or asks or states, whatever. I need to know more about this poker reality show. I also need to know more about this poker reality show. All right. So... Long, long time ago, far less tattoos. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've been playing poker literally since I was probably seven or eight years old. I'm not saying I'm great by any means. I'm good. I'm not. I can go and I I could probably hold my own in almost any game that you put me in. But I'm not going to say I'm ever going to be the best player sitting at a table. Um, Unless it's a local game. Anyways. I don't know if anyone remembers like Antonio Esfandiari. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Esfandiari? I played, po- I played a lot, a lot, a lot of poker from the time mm-hmm. I was probably about 14 to 21 or so. Okay. It was like really, real. like I would, not to not, not to cut you off, but to give not you a sense good. of how I understand how, how my, what I, oh, Lord. Can't, just can't hey. ever have, have it. But I would like literally like make friends with the older guys that had the poker games or whatever. And like, they would like come pick me up. I would be, cause that was like how I made money. Like right. I didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. I didn't, I was 14. I didn't have a job. I had no way to make, to make any money. And it was, 
I would I would go play poker. We play yep. poker like con- like I mean constantly. We had tons of poker games. It was a big thing amongst all of our all of our friends and it died for me kind of in in late college or whatever but same mm-hmm. thing yeah so when you name all those like you know the pre money maker to a little bit after the money maker era that that I, that big yep. gap there um definitely very familiar so like Esfendiari, Brian Rast, Dan Fleshman was the guy who owned it uh Dan Bilzerian, Sarah yep. Underwood they all started this company called Victory okay. Poker and they ran a contest where you had to create a video and send it into them and show why you should be on this show. <laughs> and I mean, it's the early stages of the stuff I'm doing now. It's like one of the first yeah. videos of what's led me to doing what I'm doing now. So I've been doing stuff like this forever. It's sporadic, but I sent in this video and because most people were just like sending in a video that's like, um, hi, my name's James, and I really think that you should uh, you should sign me to be on this poker reality show. I think I'd be really good on it, and I'd really like to eat pizza with Sarah Underwood and talk to her because she's very pretty. Like that's what these people were sending in. Yeah, and, like I send in this video, and it's and it's like this whole storyline that I made up my own type of poker. And if you Google Rob Coakley poker, the video still pops up. Um, but. I got picked to be on the reality show. There was like 20 of us. And what ended up happening was Black Friday happened. So before Mm. we could film the show, Black Friday happened and killed the company. So we never got to film it. And I've never been so devastated in my life because I'm like, I could have went on that show and got kicked off the show immediately. That's a possibility. Or it could have been my big break for something. Who knows? But like, I just wanted it to have the opportunity on it. And to be honest, I don't think I was ready for it back then. Like, I just, I just don't think I was ready for, to, to really go let loose. I would be too nervous in front of the camera probably. And I'd probably stiffen up. Like now I don't care. Like I just get on and I'll do whatever. If I look stupid doing it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's the mentality I would have needed back then. But I don't know if I would have had it to be honest. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good point where that's how I am. The the exact same. There's no chance I would have been able, I wouldn't be able to do this. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm in front of a, a camera in my, in my basement with no one around me besides my dogs yipping and yapping all day long. Right. And I wouldn't have been able to like, even just like me and you having a casual conversation without being like uncomfortable or super awkward or whatever. And like, I'm, I'm old now. I turned 34 in a, in a couple of months. Like I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we were talking before, you know, I was on vacation. We went to a, to a, a destination wedding in Cabo and it was like, I got a few drinks. Like when I was 23, I wouldn't have wanted to go embarrass myself in front of all these people that I don't know this weekend. Right. I don't give, I don't give a shit. I'm going to have fun. Like, let's just go have fun. Like who, who really cares. Right. And so um, I feel the exact same way where, if I had this, you know, very different opportunity, right? But it, well, both you and I really, I guess, had this opportunity that we're doing right now, trying to kind of like grow a, a company through content, media, whatever. I, there's no, absolutely no chance I, w- I would have been able to do this. I don't know, maybe even six or seven years ago. Yeah. You know, not that, not that long ago. So I started doing this six or seven years ago, which is kind of wild. Um, we were talking about this last night. I, Again, me and Mike 
well, me and my friend Jesse, who does my other show with me, we, he's, he was, I'm not going to say he was like a huge DJ, but, you know, he was like that next tier. Like he was just on the verge of breaking out. So mm -hmm. we were like, we did little Wayne parties and stuff. Like he did some really cool <clears throat> stuff back in the day. So we were doing a podcast and we were doing a live stream with it, but this was before Twitch, before StreamYard. And dude, we were doing it for Dirty Water News, which is kind of kind of big in Boston, but it's not globally known, but it's a bigger play thing in Boston. And we would go to the greatest bar in Boston, which is right by the TD Bank North Garden. Like it's Friend Street. You walk right down, you're in the garden. And uh, we were doing live streams from the greatest bar on like a Friday night. Do you want to know how to piss people off? Try to do a podcast in Boston on a Friday night when people just want to go out and hear music and they have to look at your dumbass talking while you're having camera problems the whole time because no one knows how to run a live stream. So like we kind of, we did it for the summer. The great thing was, you know, Jesse was a DJ. So as soon as we were done with our thing, he'd hop on and start DJing and just get the entire crowd back. But yeah, it's just, we were, I just, I was telling, I think I was telling Overzet last year. I'm like, yeah, we were like two years too early for it. And, uh, and like, maybe we should have stuck with it a little more, but back in that day, man, trying to perform, like trying to do an actual live stream was a nightmare. Just yeah. the logistics of it. So it was, I think, I think it was Pete again, you know, someone that you were talking to, but I think he, he, brought up kind of the very very similar thing to where he was kind of made for this right he's very witty he's very, he's funny you know mm -hmm. that he's a, a comedian basically at his heart and he's done content like this is not new you know he, he's fairly new to like streaming and this style of content that he does now but it, he's, it's not a new like concept to him but there were no avenues for anyone to do this easily right, right. you and i literally <laughs> if anyone wants to know if you if you want to start your own thing like i don't really care you come compete with us or, or go start your own passion project we use Streamyard. everybody pretty much everybody just uses Streamyard now because it takes you like two seconds to create the the stream and you just share it with somebody else and you right. hop on and you start talking it's like you know, it changed, it absolutely changed everything for, for people like you and I, and obviously, like you said, for Pete and, and the difference is crazy. Like even when it, it hasn't existed that long, it's really, really new um, in the grand scheme of things. And like, when I first started at R at RG, it was like, I, I couldn't do anything of my own content. Like, I don't know how to work OBS, yeah. you know, I don't know how to work those, those things. And so it was like, I was just writing, you know, because I didn't have, you know, not, you know, you could learn that stuff, but it, it wasn't really worth it to me to spend that kind of time to learn how to use all these like really intricate streaming services. And now, I mean, shit, you know, an idiot like me can, can figure out how to use these things. So it's, it's really not a big deal. Well, I'm glad this stuff came along specifically for this and my other show, like my other show that I do, I've had in my brain for probably six years that I wanted to do that. And I just never knew how I wanted to do it. And so we finally started it like four months ago. And if we didn't have this, if we didn't have StreamYard, also if we didn't have three of us, because let me tell you, 
there is a ton of work that goes into this stuff. These episodes, man, like this episode that I did last night, it's episode 19, where we've only done 19 episodes. It took me three weeks to cut this together. Wow. And and it's it just takes so long, but I love it. Like it's that's not a complaint. It's like when I do stuff for for us, like I go and I have to go and watch whether it's a stream that I did or a stream that you did. And we were in it. Now I got to go back and watch all of it. And I have to find my angle on it. Right. Like, where am I going to go with this? So the Korean one, like I I do the (laughs) whole stream with Korean. I have to go back and listen to it. And then I'm like, well, now I have to see if they brought it up on ship chasing. So now I have to watch two streams and I don't. And it's again, this isn't a complaint. I love it. But we need to figure out what's my angle going to be on it. And then it's like, okay, I need to make three hours of content into a minute and a half to two minutes. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So my point being is like you just said, if you guys want to go start to go do your own thing, absolutely go for it. It's not expensive to get started, but you need commitment. You need to be very, very committed to this. And for me, it's about structure. And it's like for the hometown ghost stories, I was like, Guys, we're doing this every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. We're pumping out an episode. And that's what we've stuck to for the most part. Uh, we've moved once for just to accommodate a guest. And that's what I've been doing with Spike Week, too. So it's like, yeah. And honestly, like, I know the numbers that you just showed on this particular show, Hometown Ghost Stories, they don't look great on YouTube. But we've gained over 55,000 um, 55, subs on TikTok, TikTok in a, yeah. in a month. <clears throat> We have a video that went for 1.8 million views already, which is just absolutely bonkers. And we're averaging over 2,500 podcast listens a week already. So the other funny thing is we do all this video work. We bust our ass to make these videos look great. And most of our content is getting listened to on a podcast. I know that's the worst. <laughs> it's, it's the worst feeling ever. It, re- it really is, you know, because I, I'm talking to, you know, I'm not a designer or whatever. You're doing a lot more work on the back end of your videos like than I am, but I'm like, like I'm, I'm work, you know, I'm the, I'm the middleman. Right. And then I'm like doing the stuff through StreamYard or a little bit of stuff here and there. And it's the same thing. It's like, you're spending all this time and most people really just want to listen to the podcast. (laughs) Just listen to the podcast. Yeah. They just want to listen. Or they might even pull it up on YouTube but they don't even really give a shit to watch you. Right. <laughs> so they're not right. even, they're not even watching it. It's like, you know, so that's why obviously you and I have, have worked together for a little bit, a little bit now. Like mm-hmm. the, the best thing is the, the short form, you know, like just using it kind of as, as promotion. It's not right. the best for like monetary purposes, right. uh, video, video, you know, media, but like, just for a little, right? It's little, little advertising. It, it makes people laugh on Twitter. People will retweet it, whatever. It grows your brand, but you have to understand that that's, that you're spending a lot of time hoping, you know, you just hit on a few of those things and it grows because honestly, <laughs> the YouTube thing is like, you know, it's really hard. It's re- it's really, really hard. It's, it's really hard. And those little promotional videos, like I said, can take you. I did the, um, I did the Swolecast video where i just like kind of that was a good one made fun of the swole cast but that was seven hours of work i mean i'm i'm sitting here and like i'm painting my face for a 20 second bit so now i gotta <laughs> like 
<laughs> you know, like, and it's great and I love it and I, and I love all of it, but I just, I don't think people understand like when myself or when Overzet does a bit like, like it's our, it's, it's a big commitment. And we have, I, you know, the stuff that I have planned over the next few months <laughs> that I yep. want to do. And once we start cranking on that stuff, it's gonna, it's gonna take up a lot of time and I'm, but I'm looking forward to it. Right. It, these, these are not complaints. I love doing it. I love that I have the ability to do it now. I never, I like, I, I procrastinated on getting like a, a crazy computer to do this stuff and film software and everything. And now that I have it, I'm like, oh, I should have done this a year ago, two years yep. ago. And, uh, but hey, we're here now and everything kind of works out for a reason. If I did it two years earlier, maybe I don't make one of those videos that the baseball video, I think, is the one that really yes. sealed the deal for you to, yes. to take a chance on throwing me out here and doing something. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's where we don't end up, but I, I love it personally. Yeah, it is. It, it, to your point, it is something that you have to be passionate about because even I, like when I start, I, I've told this kind of background story probably multiple times, but like mm-hmm. this was a passionate subject of mine. I had a very, very strong belief in, in last year, kind of around this time what best ball was going to be and it had not really blown up yet right like i mean herzig won the first justin herzig won the first best ball mania on underdog and he won two hundred thousand dollars which is awesome everybody wants to win two hundred thousand dollars they were giving out two hundred thousand dollars like it was freaking candy (laughs) like like one year later right there was tons of six-figure winners right multiple sites and it just exploded and so you know maybe I, I possibly got lucky, but that was a, a thesis that I had was that this thing was about to blow up. So I take this to my bosses. Right. And I'm like, we should like dive into this thing. And they were basically like, look, we'll give you, you know, go run with it, go do your thing. And like, just figure it out on your own kind of, like, mm-hmm. that's really, that's really what it was. And so it was me just like, okay, uh, I have no direction. I have no nothing. I'm just going to go start trying to do this thing. And, you know, you, you eventually just figure it trial by error, right? You just eventually figure it out. But like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, you know, if I, if I didn't work where I worked, would this have all happened? You know, if I was on my own, would I really have had the the guts to just dive into the best ball thing? Cause you know, it takes a long time before you can, you know, right. monetize all this stuff um, from a reasonable mm-hmm. perspective. And so anyway, like you said, you know, sometimes it's just right time, right, you know, right place, right time. And uh, a lot of things, falling into place so but i'm that, gonna hit a couple that ahead. blank that blank canvas though like having that blank canvas is really i mean it's scary occasionally because it's like yeah. well, what am i gonna paint but like it's so much nicer like because you told me the same thing when we we had like an hour-long conversation before yeah. we did anything together and you were like i just want you to do what you do and that's great because it it allows me to just be like I'm just going to do what I think is good and I'll, and if Eric likes it, then it'll go up. But you didn't, you weren't like, I want you to do, I don't want, I don't want you to, I want you to just to paint fire hydrants or (laughs) I just want you to paint mountains. And it's like, well, maybe I want to do, you know, a dolphin every once in a while. And just being able to do what you want to do sometimes, as long as you have the mental capacity to do it is I think the way to go. 
Now, some people yeah. need more. Some people need more structure. And that's understandable, too. But for me, it's like, well, maybe I want to try something different this time. And maybe I will be the only one that finds it interesting. Or maybe I will be the only one that finds it funny. But I at least want to try it. And if it doesn't work, then, you yeah. know, no. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, 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 I'm definitely one of those, too. And obviously, you are where I don't really need structure. Like, that's it. I'm just going to start going and like, you'll figure it out. If, if, if it's meant to be, mm-hmm. if you're actually good at this thing, if, if you, if you're, you know, if it's going to sustain, you're going to have plenty of misses. Lord knows I, I have. I mean, when this whole thing started, I was just doing YouTube videos. It was actually under the Roto Grinders account. We didn't even, we didn't have a name. We didn't have nothing. They were like, just start making best ball content. Right. And like the, the colors were different. Every like literally, we didn't have any of this. Like this backdrop that's behind me, we made we we figured all that out, right? We we like it was just all like you said, totally complete blank canvas. And it was you know me and then a little bit of help from some from from some other people. And now it's like a kind of grow continually growing into a bigger and bigger team. I even was talking to some people today with uh some some mlb stuff people are getting fired up about mlb even though the lockout is like a, yeah. for sure happening now but there's more yeah. there's more activity in uh, the mlb discord which leads me to i was just gonna hit a couple of these comments dj a dog dj a dog 3k asks if we're gonna do any mlb or are we playing the mlb best ball drafts i will just hop in and say i literally did my first mlb best ball drafts today i have not gotten super invested yet mainly because of the the lockout. the lockout i will absolutely i will absolutely be playing um mlb best ball i know rob you know i'm not, not trying to speak for him is not a not a super expert in in baseball but we do have some stuff lined up just in general at spike week and also with rob for for mlb but it's just one of those things we can't really invest like too too much time and resources into it right now when like NFL contests are filling faster than than MLB ones, even just because of kind of the state of the lockout and everything. Yeah, no, we we have some baseball stuff on tap, some stuff that I'm going to do. I will say that my first baseball draft, my first baseball best ball draft ever is going to be on stream. That is a fact. That's amazing. And we're going to see how that goes. Um, the structure of that, I'm not sure yet, but we're going to be working on that. So, yeah, we have a lot of stuff lined up at Spike Week. Were you shocked that Underdog didn't run, like, more best ball stuff for NBA, like, to start after the All-Star break? Yeah. So, I'm a huge, huge NBA fan. I love football and, and gambling on football and fantasy football and everything is 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 king. But if I literally, if you, like, said, what, what do you prefer to watch? What are you more of an actual fan of? It's 100% basketball. And I, I love the NBA. And so it was, you know, a, a little bit frustrating, but also understandable in that they launched a a fairly big $250,000 tournament um, for NBA this year with a $5 entry, um, which was pretty sweet. The problem is that it's during like ML, like NFL, like the prime time of fantasy football. Right. And so like you, you just can't get people to go fill to go waste their time waste is not the right word to go spend their time on this this nba contest when it's still like peak football drafting season and stuff so it was very difficult i thought they could have launched something in the middle of this again like a second half thing when people are like okay 
Football is basically over. There, there was a there was a time pocket, I think, in there that they could have done something. However, um, I think it's okay that they didn't because I, I, maybe my favorite format is the NBA playoff. Best mm-hmm. like it is the we just did the whole NFL playoff best yep. ball tournaments and those were awesome. I mean, that was a ton of fun, right? And they they filled like a million of them yep. in a month or whatever. The NBA one from a strategy standpoint and all that is like even crazier to me because it's their series, right? So it's not just like picking winners. Right. It's like I want I want the teams that are in the finals, but they can't win too fast. <laughs> they can't be too right, good. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. like so like la- last year, if you had Bucks and Suns, who was the finals, it was actually really, really hard to get a team where you could field people in field a full team in the finals because like they both had series where they won really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that whole thing is just like mind blowing to try to figure out um, that strategy. So it's, you know, it was a little frustrating, but I think ultimately when people get their hands on the, the NBA playoff thing, um, it'll work out in the end. I, I fired a few of the um, playoff ones last year myself because I, I was interested in it. And the other good thing about the playoff contest is the the payout turnaround isn't as bad. Yeah. So I don't know how much that factors into other people, but I love best ball. It's my favorite. It's my favorite form, but we're firing teams in February and we have no chance of being paid out until January, which is bananas. Kind (laughs) of. So I was like, man, I'm tying this money up in May last year. And I'm like, I'm tying this money up in February, but I love it. It's just like now it's like, oh, but the playoff ones now I can, you know, get a three month turnaround on that as opposed to because we all like instant gratification. Right. That's why we love DFS. It's I set my lineups by 1 p.m. on Sunday and I'm paid out by 11 p.m. that night if I win anything. So that's that's the one drawback to best ball so far. But I don't even think it's that big a deal once uh, because it's too much fun. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a funny comment by Dave, but I think that's what is making this growth so cool and so important actually is mm-hmm. the ability to have in-season contests, right? Playoff contests, yep. all that kind of stuff where you do get the turnaround so that it's like, okay, you know, if I got a thousand bucks or or a or hundred bucks to spend on best ball over the next few months. Like there's things you can do that you can turn that money around quick. And then there's things that you can do that you're like, look, okay, I'm, I know I'm just throwing that money, not throwing it away, you know, but I'm, I'm putting it in a hole for, for a year, hoping that I, you know, grow some more uh, when I go dig it up in literally 12, <laughs> literally like a year, right. an entire, an entire calendar year away. But um, there's going to be just so many different contests that, uh, it's going to fulfill everybody. I think eventually, you know, we're not quite there yet. I mean, shit, we're only in year three of underdog, not even full year three of underdog, but uh, soon it's going to be like, man, pick a sport, pick a time frame, pick a uh, scoring format or a roster format or whatever. I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy. Are you, are you going to be focusing most of your action for NFL this year? on best on a uh, underdog more than any other site is that your game I think plan the th- yeah i think the thing about underdog is we know inherently that it's the smarter people and the the, the more efficient market mm-hmm. but they also offer so many more contests that allow True. you to kind of 
attack things in different ways. And um, something Liam said at Chess Liam on Twitter, who won Best Ball Mania 2 this year, he came on this show, Best Ball Bros, um, and we talked about just some of his best ball thoughts and and something he brought up that, like, again, it's one of those things where inherently you know it, but you sometimes you need somebody to kind of, like, say it in a really easy-to-understand way to where mm-hmm. it, like, really clicks clicks with you. And he was talking about how I know that underdog is, like, really sharp, but, like, the, the, the sharp people in the market get things wrong all the time. That's look true. at Leonard Fournette. Look at Leonard Fournette. Look at LaVisca. Look at tons of guys that were just steamed one way or the other that were so wrong, just absolutely so wrong. And so if you know, if you can figure out ways to make strategic bets against this market, that's all very like-minded. Yeah. Um, I think that there, there are big, like the payoff is even bigger, right? On DraftKings, it's like, it's so goddamn soft. That's good. Cause I know I'm getting my money in good on mm-hmm. basically every team, but like anyone with a brain is getting their money in good. Right. You're not, you know, you don't have like any way to kind of leverage against the market. You just know that the drafts are soft on underdog. It's like, look, if I just say I'm not drafting LaVisca, like I, I don't care. Like, you know, everybody's going to steam him up there. Just X him out. Right. Or, everybody's out on Fournette. Well, now, now that, that now I'm going to take a stand on Fournette. And if it hits your payoff is so much bigger. So um, I've con- kind of come full circle where I was like, man, this underdog stuff is, is pretty tough, but I think there are ways to go about it that are really smart and actually really like high leverage. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to table this a little bit because I was going to see if you wanted to come on the show again next week, because what I want to hit on with you specifically you is I want to talk about what we like about underdog and DraftKings mm. and yeah. what we what we don't like. And I want to do that really way before the season starts just to get it out there just so that we're not reacting to it in July or August. So some yeah. of that goes into, well, I mean, dude, you just won a million dollars. Of course, you're going to be in on both. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have, for, for anyone that doesn't know, this is, Felix, aka my friend Tony Castro, who won the DraftKings Millionaire Maker uh, <laughs> this year in, be- in, yeah. in best ball. So, uh, shocker. Yeah. And this is his bit. Yeah. Now. Yeah. He's Najee, made... Najee 101, because Najee so... Harris is who uh, won him the million dollars literally on the last freaking play Amazing. of best ball season. Najee Harris won, won yeah. uh, Tony a million dollars. And so, uh, yeah. yeah, it's of course, crazy. You're playing. Yeah, and of course he's going to have like ninety five percent exposure to to Najee Harris, and of course he's mm-hmm. going to be on both. If I won a million dollars, I would be max entering both of them. You know why? Because I'd be home all day and just, you know, in my underwear drafting football teams <laughs> right. nonstop. Instead, I'm going to work and then coming home and drafting, or drafting while I'm at work because I'm a psychopath and I have to play while I'm at work. Yeah, exactly. I do like this comment from Dave, though. By the way, like. Obviously, there's there's never any perfect parallels. People always get mad. I don't know how you feel about this. When I when you try to equate best ball to something else, because it is very unique. I I have a DFS background. Other people have poker background. Whatever you try mm-hmm. to make parallels, and people are like, well, it's not the same. You can't you can't. I, I get that. I've gotten that. Maybe it's just me and my little you know my personal experiences. But people will say that all the time. Like when I try to compare something to DFS, they're like, well, it's not the same thing as DFS. I'm like, I know that, but there's parallels. And I think Dave's point here you know, um, it's not, you know, there's nothing that's apples to apples, but it is fairly true. Do you want to sit down at the poker table with a bunch of, you know, predictable grinders, or do you want to 
sit down with a five drunk tourists. It's like, there are actually a lot of ways to be both. Right. <laughs> They're very, very, very different wit. You know, you have very wildly different strategies. Um, but that doesn't mean that playing against the five grinders is necessarily worse. No. And I, this is a discussion I've had with a lot of people, not on streams or anything, but I don't want to be at a table full of people that don't know what they're doing playing poker. Yeah. There's no predict. How do you know what to do if you don't know what they're going to do? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fold, fold, fold until you hit the nuts and hope you hit the nuts at some point. Other than that, you're, it just, and not only that, it's not enjoyable. I play in a home league right now that's been going on. Actually, Zakarian was in this home league and we send somebody to the world series every year to play in the main event. And oh, it's kind of gone down to we brought a lot of new people into it and it just kills the game. So I don't know, man. Yeah. Like I, I I like a good balance because I'm like, I want to know the three people that I'm picking on. Like I yeah. can't take all the good players anyways when I'm drafting a best ball team, right? Like it's sure. just not gonna happen. Even the dummies are gonna pick some are gonna pick good players. So I want like three play people that are gonna draft, you know, six running backs to start. Or yeah. do I don't want everyone doing that though. It's a it's a ship chasing draft. I mean, I know it's a bit, but when you do a ship chasing draft and they're just every all 12 people are pounding wide receiver, it just really you can't deviate off of that. Now you have to just you know jump off the cliff with them and just start jump yeah. and and if you want to take a, a detour and take a running back in like the sixth round, you're dead because now, yeah. now you're screwed. So you know, it's 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 trying to find the right balance. I personally, I was I liked drafting on DraftKings last year a little more. I like underdog for a lot more reasons, but <laughs> just the the teams I was fielding and my advance rate was better on DraftKings. But the team I got to a finals was on underdog. So it's you know where do we where do we take that? I had. I don't know, 40 something teams, I think, advanced on DraftKings. And they were all dead in the second round. And I had <laughs> way pretty much what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And there I'm just sitting there, I'm like, dead, 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 dead. And I forgot <laughs> I had two teams on underdog. I'm like, because I did all my drafting on DraftKings. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, oh, let me just go see what underdog. Like, oh my God, I have a team going to the third round on underdog. Oh, this team kind of sucks. I got to beat out, you know, 16 other people. Next week, boom, it makes it. I'm like, holy shit we were getting there and mm-hmm. uh and then i became the 74th best best ball player in the world <laughs> <laughs> That's so. what i guess i am i am half of the ninth best player uh in the world i don't know how you do that <laughs> how, you, how you do that math but i'm half of the ninth best best ball player in the world we'll get right uh, you know the, the same company that owns us owns roto grinders so we got to get ranking rankings up there they're gonna have a doozy of a time with the uh, with figuring out with figuring out these these rankings when the I want <laughs> these a idiot streamers badge yes I we've want, ta- we've I... literally talked about had had a, 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 at work we've had conversations about this this kind of thing it's just we're not ready for it yet in, in the I best ball space I mean DraftKings we can't even get our exposures yet <laughs> I just want <laughs> underdog literally... to put a little badge over my name that says seventy four seventy four yeah yeah like underdog where are we at man. You guys, you guys are so good at everything else. 
you you dm'd me today because i i made a little quick joke about getting thrown in the slow draft and they were like oh we'll we'll refund your money i'm like no guys i'm just kidding it's fine i'll <laughs> i'll stay in the slow draft it's not a big deal just give me my badge i just want a 74 and give buy him for like a 14 and three quarters badge or yeah, something. Right. <laughs> right exactly that's, that's how that works yeah so uh this is a, this is a good point um I, I, I struggle with, I'm very, another reason why you mentioned it already, but another reason why I'm very pro underdog is the user experience and everything is very important to me. I'm willing to invest my money, even if I think it's maybe a little bit more minus EV, if mm-hmm. the user experience is is great. And underdog is maybe the best like fantasy app that has ever existed. It's It's so unbelievably easy to use and clean and, you know, very rarely ever has any issues. And so that's very important to me. Drafters is uh, I I know Zach from Drafters and he's awesome and they're working towards getting you know to that to that level but they weren't there last year like I was trying to stream even some drafts and uh, and stuff and it was difficult it, it it was it was just a little bit more difficult with with that user experience however I do agree it's a little bit of a middle ground it really is I think underdog is clearly the most efficient market DraftKings is very clearly the least efficient market. But the only problem with drafters is that the format's very different. Um, and that's not a problem. That's actually a good thing that we have a different format, but like you can't just say, Oh, instead of drafting on underdog, I'm going to go to drafters. Well, drafters is full point PPR. And the biggest thing is that it's cumulative scoring, right? There's no playoffs or any of that stuff, which mm-hmm. is wildly like, I don't think people understand. I didn't understand honestly last year just how crazy different it is um with cumulative scoring my results were awful (laughs) awful on drafters because it's so so different i i'm gonna be honest i have not done any drafts on drafters at all um but i also haven't done any um any dfs on yahoo so it's, that's worse. That's a worse it? experience. Oh my god, I can't do it. I tried. People, everyone keeps messaging me from like you know. Obviously, I work in DFS, and they're like, "Dude, do you see this? Like, mm-hmm. There's thirty minutes to go, and it's like sixty percent full. You know, it's a million dollar contest or whatever." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm gonna want to pull what little hair I have out in the next half hour before you know the game start, and I would just rather." enjoy myself than make myself miserable chasing you know five cents of ev like what what like what are we really doing here you're not you're this isn't like you know you're not getting your money in that good you're getting your money in fine but you're right. not getting your money in so good that you need to make yourself absolutely miserable over it yeah i i just i i blah, cannot talk today apparently i fire i max entered the fan duel um sunday million the 150 it's $5. I, I'll throw 150 teams on that. Well, not always. I throw like 100 to 150. Yeah. And then I do my big single entries are usually on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. So I'll fire like a 200 and two $100 teams on DraftKings. And then I'll just back them up in the Sunday million. Because if that if I yeah. ever made a team that was going to smash and I didn't have it in the Sunday million, I'd vomit. I yeah. just, that's just who I am. And I know that's who I am. So. I have to make sure I do that. So like throwing another site in on Sundays, can't do it right now. Just, no. just not for me. But maybe on best ball, if 
if something comes up and everyone's like, this is the site to be doing it on, I'll give it, I'll definitely give it a shot. Yeah. It's very different, obviously for best ball, right? On Sunday mornings, it's a serious time crunch. Yeah. Like, like, and I was miserable. I did a show with Ben Gretsch on, on rotor grinders every Sunday morning from, from 1030 to 1130 central, mm-hmm. 1130 to 1230 Eastern. And so like we would lot, we would get done and I got a half hour to finish up my teams, you know, and while I'm on, we're getting all the news, we're getting all the inactives and everything. Right. And so like, you have to, you only have so much time. Um, and that was, and I, I, this is the first year I've done a Sunday morning show. Even before then I struggled with, uh, Sunday mornings and I don't want 50 max. So, I mean, I just don't know how people do tons, tons of different sites. Best ball is a little bit different, mm-hmm. but I do think spreading yourself too thin. If you're not, if you're not like not professionally grinding this, but like, if you're not like really crazy, super serious grinding this to where you can really, really get comfortable on each site. I do think you can, um, you know, maybe do a small hindrance to yourself where like, if you just spend all your time drafting on underdog, yes, you're giving up, you know, like I said, a nickel of EV somewhere else, mm. but like you're going to be so much more knowledgeable and just locked in. You've said it multiple times on other streams where it's like, dude, in July, it was like, I could close my eyes and do a draft because yeah. I knew who I liked that. I knew who was available at all times. I knew, you know, every round it was like, who do you like in that round? And you could just, yeah. you could just say it, you know, but if you're, you're doing four or five different sites, maybe that's not the case. But not only did I know who was available each round, I knew who was available on each site each round. Yeah. And I knew the ADP differentiation at that point. Like, I think Mm, an easy one is like Mahomes, I think, was going second round on DraftKings, but he was a fourth (laughs) rounder on Underdog. So it's like, well, of course, I'm going to get all my Mahomes exposure on, you know, DraftKings because I can get them third or fourth round and get better teams but so is everybody right. else at the same time yep it, it, everyone else is doing the same thing so it's maybe maybe that was the wrong way to look at it maybe getting him you know the second round is the actual right way to do it or whatever so i don't know i these are things that i'm going to be thinking about as i as i really start to ramp up in you know april may like yeah I've already started to think of them. We have great chats in the Discord. Half the times I'll just bring up a question and I'll lean out. And I just want to kind of <laughs> see what yeah. everyone else is thinking before I say my thoughts. Because I, because I'm not too hard headed that I'm not. If I see a, if I see a point that makes a lot of sense, I'll be like, okay, well maybe that's something that I'll start looking into as well as and look at it the way I think of it, and try to try to attack it from different ways sometimes. Um, I think, I think some analysts are too stubborn and they just think that they're right. And they just, they just stand on these Hills. Like everyone has to die on a Hill now. Like you, like every, every point is a, is a Hill to die on. And yeah, I'm going to have some of those. I'm going to have some certain points where I'm like, I'm 100% this and you're not going to talk me out of it, but that's one out of 10. It's not going to be 10 out of 10. And I think analysts you know, not to throw shade on the industry or, but I think this is just a problem in general are just there. Just everything is a, is a mountain. Nothing's an anthill anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also totally agree with, um, and again, like you said, it's not to throw, it's not to throw shade on anyone at all. Um, I, I guess 
technically it probably is, but there, there's also tons of very, very smart people who aren't necessarily doing this. But I think a lot of people come in and say, I have the answers and I've probably even had success. Yeah. Right. I've been, whether it's, I've been good at fantasy football for forever, or mm-hmm. I've been good in these last few years at best ball, or maybe they've been, you know, you've been playing back to the MFL 10 days or, you know, whatever you've been playing on FFBC and you've just been good at this for a little while. And you think you have the game solved. And the problem is people forget that the game that you're playing is a peer to peer game. You're not yeah. playing uh let's pick the optimal lineup. This is not a cash game. This is not, playing in a 12 team league against your buddies. Right. Right. You can probably just, you, honestly, you could probably just pick, there's probably four or five rules you could pick, right? Don't draft a super early quarterback, you know, probably honestly do zero RB or something and like draft young players and be like, poof, I'm going to do well in my 12 team league with my buddies every single year. Right. Just because it's not that, you know, you're just trying to compete against 12 other guys. When we get into this space where I don't even want to know, how many entries are going to be in Best Ball Mania 3. There was 156,000 in Best Ball Mania 2 this year. It's going to be double that. I don't know. You know, It's it, going to be absolutely insane. It scares me a little bit um, with, to see what this format's going to be for Best Ball Mania, if it's going to be too bloated, like in terms of the amount of people. So that's the thing that I'm worried about a little, Yeah. Um, what they're going to do. Because I think having, what was it, like 180, somewhere around the 180 mark that made the finals. I think that's like yeah. roughly the perfect number, right? In that pretty perfect, house. yeah. So, like, if it's three sixty to to four hundred, I'm just gonna be like, I just that sucks. <laughs> that kind of sucks, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's it's interesting because you know we need the growth, but you also want, you know, I, I don't know that I I don't know how big I want an individual tournament to get. You know right. what I mean? Because we always like there's a lot of good conversation and stuff again in the, in the discord about, you know, like, Oh, we're tr- like, we're trying to be plus EV or whatever. And I totally agree with all of that, but like, this isn't DFS. I don't, if I get my money in good in a best ball season, like, you know, the regular main slate full tournament um, or full season contest, like I could be the best best ball player in the world and never, ever, ever realize any of that expected value. In DFS, there's so many slates and so many sports and everything that if you're actually good, you're eventually going to realize that, that right. value. But that's not true about best ball. And so the bigger that they make it, the harder it becomes to realize that value. And so um, that's a fairly decent segue into what Tony asked. Do you think they'll ever be a two-time champion? And absolutely not. No, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. I do not ever. Th- that would be one of the more rare outcomes I can think of, honestly. Um, even, yeah. even I think, I think winning. There's people that have won multiple DFS Millie makers. That seems crazy. There's so many more of them. And mm-hmm. I honestly believe that the, the skill advantage of the best DFS players is quite a bit like is quite a bit higher than the skill advantage of the best best ball players. Yeah. And so, um, I, I just don't. I, I would be stunned. You know, maybe when we're super old or something, if Tony's over here still grinding off of his million dollars and he wins another one when we're when we're seventy five, I guess. But I would be totally stunned. I don't know what you think. No, I agree. And just to go to that point of like the skill advantage it's like you could take the worst i could have my mom 
play a best ball tournament, right? And I'm just like, just make sure you pick somebody you see on the screen. And yeah, maybe yeah. she'll come up with four quarterbacks and like, you know, seven running backs. But her team isn't going to, as long as she doesn't scroll down too far and just keep picking from the bottom of the player list, her team's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be a great team, right? But it's going to, it's a team that could compete. Or even if I told her, hey, you can only take three quarterbacks, you know, 10 wide receivers yep. or whatever. And I'm like, but you can't scroll down more than three players as you're picking them. Do you think her team's going to be, if I showed it to you, do you think you're going to be like, this team sucks? You're going to be like, no, eh, it's totally fine. It, you can give two, two pieces of advice. Exactly what you said. Don't scroll down too far. And, you know, some form of positional guideline. Yeah. Right. Don't draft more than this. Honestly, if you just said, don't draft more than this many quarterbacks and this many tight ends, you're probably going to end up close enough at running back and wide receiver that the team is totally, the team is totally fine. Like, like, so like, even when people say like, Oh, I have this big edge in my structure. Like how, like, please explain to me how you have this big edge in your structure because anyone with, like anyone with a brain can just pick people off the top of the ADP list. So you definitely don't have a you don't have an advantage in the player thing. And like everyone pretty much knows now not to draft six quarterbacks or six tight ends or whatever. And now we have 20 rounds. Right. So it's even harder to get an edge, you know, in those things, you know, assuming again, I, I don't, I don't have like projected out what I think people are going to do, but it's just, it's just harder to realize any any form of an edge it's 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 so there's so much variance to it and, and to your point now give my mom the same hand her my phone to make my dk lineup on sunday and i'm like here's a, you you have the structure you know the players that you're supposed to take you can only take one quarterback now build me a lineup it's gonna be a train wreck dead because it'll be it's dead it's, it's dead money. immediately yeah. dead yeah. so i i think this, that really sums up your point on that like yeah, you can be great at best ball, but the worst player could still put a, a viable lineup out to take out your to take out your perfectly structured team, and you don't even make it to the playoffs. When I did a I did a show in season maybe week 12, 13 or something like that with the underdog guys. Um, I don't remember if it was we did a couple of them like reviewing the best teams at that point in the in the season. I don't remember. If it was um, one I did with Ryan Hodge and then one with Peter and uh, Leone, but there was like two, I want to say like two of the top 10 teams, like three quarters of the way through the season. And they got pulled up and we were like, Oh my God. (laughs) Like, why would anyone like there's four quarterbacks, two of them are early. You know, they only have six wide receivers. Like, you know, there are teams that people would say, Oh my God, it's dead. But like, all they really did was probably pick off the top of the ADP list and they got lucky. You got Jonathan Taylor, you got Cooper Cup, you got Leonard Fournette and Mark Andrews. Voila. <laughs> like, you know, so it, it 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 we love to pretend like a lot of edges exist um, because it makes ourselves feel better. But honestly, I think a lot of the things we proclaim to be edges are are it's not that they're not edges, it's that they're such minuscule edges that like it's not where we should tell ourselves that that's our that that's the thing that wins me the money. You know, right. it's other stuff that's going to win you the money. But we try to convince ourselves that it's these things that are like such razor thin edges. It almost doesn't matter. Yeah. And it just it, and it can go all the way to player takes. Everybody, 
everybody hated Derrick Henry that was an analyst last year, right? And let's <laughs> yeah. just say, let's say he didn't get hurt. And I told you that Derrick Henry put up 40 points in week 16. Would you have been shocked? No, God, no. Right. So, I mean, like, it's it's all... It's it's not all luck because if you're doing something 150 times and you're doing it the correct way, you're you're giving yourself a better edge at winning. It's just like it's exactly like a poker tournament. If I played 150 tournaments with my local players, my win percentage is going to be way higher than everybody else's. It's just right. what it is. But on one specific tournament for one specific night, I might be the first person out. Just it yeah. just is the way it is. So yeah, I mean, like you want to you want to draft smart. You still want to draft structurally. All of that makes sense, but you can't control what other people are doing. And if they're doing something way out of line, guess what? That draft's probably getting xed out anyways. If if you get a draft where somebody's drafting, you know, yeah, Carson true. Wentz <laughs> in the first round, and then <laughs> an underdog's gonna flag it, and that draft's done. And that is true. So you're, you got to be really good. You have to, I do think you have to be convicted on what your structures are going to be. I don't think you have to go a hundred percent zero RB, but for me, it's probably going to be zero RB hero RB for most of my drafts this year. Um, I can't imagine doing a ton of, of robust RBs. I've been dicking around on these last few drafts. It was fun making Corain draft that way. But <laughs> when it, when the, when the shit hits the fan, I'm probably going to be going back and doing what I think is the right way to draft. And that doesn't mean I'm going to win. I could get toasted. Like you might need Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon. Are you going to have any Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon teams? No, I haven't drafted one yet. I'm, I don't know. I'm 50 drafts in, so I can't imagine that it's going to change much between. So you're and... definitely not going to have, either. you're not going to have both on the same team. Right. Somebody will though. Somebody's going to have Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon. Yep. And if they get that team to the playoffs and both those guys score 40 points, we're done. We're done. We're toasted. We're just, we're out of the, we're out of the thing, <laughs> you know, if we're yep. up against that guy. So that's the, but that's the thing. But that's also the thing, right? Is whether it's zero RB, robust RB, whatever hero, whatever kind of structural thing you're doing, people are, in my opinion, viewing it so much through the wrong lens. Mm-hmm. The best structures are not what won last year are not what won two years ago the best structures are when we project forward and we look at what our opponents are doing why zero rb is no different from robust rb they're the same freaking thing you're taking on some form of fragility in some 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 way and capitalizing on the positions you are weaker at with quantity and the positions you know you are strongest at banking on that going well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so what, what blows my mind is that people say like, oh, this won last year. So this is what we have to do the next year. People did this all last summer. I spent the whole last, all of last summer saying you can't, you can't just draft robust running back because Herzig won, won with ro- uh, robust running back. And you also can't do it just because it had good advance rates or, or whatever. That shit doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is projecting forward and being like, okay, there's a certain level that every structure should be done, like drafted, right? It shouldn't be a hundred percent robust running back. Obviously, this is going to be an extreme example. But if a hundred, a nine, all of your opponents 
are going to draft a robust running back. You should never draft a robust running back, no matter if it's optimal or not, because there's so much variance that you want to go the opposite way, right? Same thing. If everybody was doing zero running back, like literally, if the, if if we draft, get into best ball mania, and I think zero running back is drafted way too much, mm-hmm. well, that's when I go the opposite direction, right? Like there's going to come a point where there's everything is really efficient, you know, and then it, this is a real big pain in the ass. But until then, I, you're just manipulating what your opponents are doing. Like you're right. not solving, you know, this is not a DFS cash game where you're trying to build literally the optimal. No, you're 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 playing a game against. 160,000 other people. I'm just trying to find the best, you know, the thing that they're not doing enough. It's it's almost that simple. I just I just really want to win it all with a 10 RB team. <laughs> and just and just ruin, just ruin the industry. Just every stream would be on fire. Like I I only drafted one 10 RB team last year and it was just like a bit. Like I was telling Karain the other day. It was two points away from making the playoffs. <laughs> and I was like, can you imagine if that team went on a run and I could just throw it in everybody's face? So I'll draft one or two of those teams this year. But it's all I don't even think it's that bad of a strategy if you if you do it right. No. So like if you drafted six or seven wide receivers in the first nine rounds and you just went and you just had every other spot full, like you had your two R you had your two quarterbacks your two tight ends, and then you just pounded running back in the back end and you hit on two of those guys, what's what's wrong with that? Or you had just no. had the perfect wave of guys ride you through the season? I mean, if I'm drafting six or seven wide receivers early, I expect them to be in my lineup most of the time, right? Yep. That's draft the like whole point. Right. Yeah, draft, draft like, you're, you're right. right. And so I don't even think that strategy is bad. It's something that I probably will do on stream at some point where I'm like, hey, we got the draft position I wanted. I wanted, you know, whatever the the four spot or the five spot, and I just want a pound wide receiver. And then we're going to draft ten running backs to end this thing, and we'll see what we get and yep. go from there. And uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week when we start talking about why we don't like the certain things on certain sites. That that team caused me an hour of searching for a team on DraftKings, and it was infuriating <laughs> trying to scroll through 150 teams and find a specific yeah. one. Was... We can pull up, we can pull up obviously underdog right now, not necessarily DraftKings. We could pull up drafters and underdog and actually physically show some of the mm-hmm. things that uh, we, we like or don't like. So before we, before we wrap up, let's do one, one big thing that like you're, into 2022 it could literally be something you're going to try to employ from a strategy perspective something you're looking forward to like that the sites are going to do it could be something some content that you want to create what's like the thing that like you're most looking forward to you know when 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 it's september you're going to look back on the thing that we've done for the next six months and you're like yeah that was fucking awesome i don't want to say it to be honest because you know what it is. Can you, you know, tease? Okay. Can you, do you have a, te- is there any way to tease it without giving it away? Cause I'm pretty sure I already know what it is. I want, okay. My teaser is I need people to give us, if they wanted me and Eric in a draft with 10 other people, mm. who are those 10 people you'd want us to draft with? Like just say That's a big good. stream where we're drafting one best ball league. I can't, I mean, so clearly it's a best ball draft, but 
there's big caveats to this and that's the thing i'm most excited about for for this i mean i like that that i'm most excited about and some of the stuff i'm working on on my other show i'm really excited about so yeah so tease your that go ahead before we get out of here tease hometown ghost stories so on hometown ghost stories we are already planning for october which makes a ton of sense obviously (laughs) and but we live in Massachusetts, and when you think of Halloween, what town do you think of? Salem, Massachusetts. You I, know? Mean, I was, I was, I, I, Salem was the only one that came to my mind, and I'm like, but I don't know anything <laughs> about this. Am I going to so, answer this and sound like an idiot? <laughs> so we are going to have like a big three or four part series on Salem, Massachusetts. That's cool. Where we go and do a bunch of stuff there, and we're it's it's so intricate that we've already been putting stuff together for it like starting to get the framework for it and it's six seven months away so you know just like best ball it's crazy we got to be six seven months ahead of things to get that going the way we want to that is awesome so make sure you go to hometown ghost stories on i guess multiple platforms now on on youtube i guess maybe youtube youtube's the ones that's not getting enough love tiktok you guys are already going to the moon so TikTok go to YouTube. Yeah. Go to YouTube. Go to obviously go to both, but go go and um, like and subscribe on Hometown Ghost Stories. Obviously, like and subscribe. This this video, you're gonna see plenty of me for sure, and you're gonna see plenty of Rob here at Spike Week moving forward. But um, was super pumped to just bring him in and kind of shoot the shit a little bit, a little bit of personal background, fantasy sports background poker background uh apparently reality tv background which uh we should've learned a little been. bit about today. yeah it should have should have been a reality that you would have been yeah famous and we never would have <laughs> gotten to gotten to know you but um that'll wrap us up today i will be back um tomorrow and we're we're gonna be on the grind moving forward we'll have tons and tons of content for you here and on the website and if you have not signed up for the discord go to spikeweek.com in the header there is a link to the Discord. It is 100% free, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Every day, it like grows and gets. There's more and more activity, and it's March. It's March. It's 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 March, and every day it gets crazier. So, um, if you've enjoyed it all, like and head to the Discord, and we will see you guys there. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow. And Rob will catch you guys uh, for the next uh nine 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 months streaming forever on this channel yeah forever forever, <laughs> forever. you're you're screwed you're locked into to r2 to r2 ugly mugs so i'll see you guys i'll see you guys later